Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, everybody. It's your boys, Halls and Steel. Back again <laughs> for another Star Wars Yearbook podcast. I wanted to take a, take that one out for a ride, Steel. See how oh, it man. Robbo's, I think, I think it's gimmick infringement as much as he well, doesn't like the term gimmick infringement. <laughs> It doesn't sound carny enough for him, gimmick of Flinsburn. I listened to that episode today. Wow, we're crossing the streams. This is just... I, You know, a couple episodes I tried out the patented Steel Hey, you guys. I think I'm just going to go down the list of Steel Wars bonus content and try everybody's intros. Excellent. Love it. You can do the, um, the YouTube <laughs> intro, which is like, is this thing on? Is it streaming? Can you hear me? <laughs> Hello? Hello? Oh, the anxiety of trying to get that stuff going. That is, that is out of line. Hey, um, so this is, yeah, Star Wars Year by Podcast, and we go through the awesome book, Star Wars Year by Year, A Visual History, Updated and Expanded. And this is episode 13, and we are up to 1980. And uh, Hawes and I just sort of find little articles throughout each year that we find interesting, and then we just go talk about something else. It is is quite organic in that yeah. way. Um, hey, but I've been thinking, Hawes. Yes, sir. Um, I want to occupy people, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm thinking. Normally, we put every every third episode up on the normal feed and we save the rest for um, the Patreon. Okay. But I figure at the moment, maybe we should do every second one. Uh, you know things are crazy out there. Oh. When Steel is bending his rules involving math. I love math. <clears throat> I'm down, buddy. Let's do it. All right, and um, I think I think we might be able to bang out two today because these are, I, I feel like we'll get maybe it's going to be an episode a page because these are ripper pages. Like when I was going through this before, I was just like, "Oh, this is juice. This is what it's about." This is one of the most uh, excited. Like this is one of the eras I was most excited to. Um, talk about because it's my favorite movie of all time that we're leading into i'm looking forward to just like 86 oh that's when it's going to be fascinating right <laughs> like that and, and i mean obviously like we're gonna have to have a real blowout for like what was it 96 for shadows of the empire oh man that's gonna it's gonna have to be like a live episode so i'll fly i was like I was about to say, I'll just fly to California for that one. Um, yeah, that would be... I, that, like, I feel like when we get to Shadows of the Empire, once we get to an actual Shadows of the Empire official mention, 
that like my book might catch fire. <laughs> Dude, okay. Live episode for Shadows of the Empire. You dress up as as Dash Rendar, thank right? You, thank you. And I dress up as Snuba. Dude. Imagine you got so <laughs> obsessed by it that you gave yourself a flat top. Oh no, that's I'm not getting I'm not getting prosthetics or a mask. This we're going full on haircut, eye patch, the whole deal. <laughs> Listeners, listen. I know many of you are brimming with free time. I call upon you and your <laughs> and your Photoshop programs. Let's get some um, whores as snoover. Uh, photoshopping going, please, please. I wonder if it's time to do, oh, no, what we do is we up. Oh, 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 wait, wait, wait. And, and while we're at it, wait, I want to dip in for me. I, I, you can have him next to, um, dash as me. I, I just don't want to go. I just, you know, I just, I saw an opportunity there for me to get a little bit of attention. So I just wanted to just, just nip that in the butt. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, I was, I was going to say. Maybe when we hit 96, we get our buddy Evan to update the podcast. Oh. Our, me and you, Dash and Snuva, in the Outrider. I'm into the Outrider, man. I am, too. I wish the toy was a little better. I feel like, <clears throat> given a choice out of the Falcon and the Outrider, like the Falcon's big and roomy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On long trips, awesome. On the on the open hyperspace planes. But just getting around on the day-to-day, going down to like space trader droves and stuff. Right. Just parking it and driving it. Oh, Outrider. You're zipping in, you're zipping out. <laughs> oh, man. So, the what would be the next... So, I guess it would be the... Third, the next big anniversary for Shadows of the Empire would be next year, right? 2021 would be the 25th anniversary. I say HasLab, crowdfunded, two-scale Outrider. I'll say it again. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Disney, this is what we wanted. <laughs> it's like a Photoshop of Dash and, and Guri and Shizor <laughs> all in the cockpit for no reason. Man. Leia is Boosh. Always thought that figure was a bit of a cheat. Right. Right. I mean, I get I get why they went with that. and You got to bring you know, it out. You got to bring gotta, it out. You got to bring it out, and it's easy enough to work in how she gets that costume or decides on that costume in between Empire and Jedi. But yeah, it feels like maybe we got a we should have gotten a different Leia figure for Shadows of the Empire, and the Boosh costume could have been, you know, just part of the Return of the Jedi wave of figures or whatever. Yeah, because I remember being at the time, and how we're talking about this is a masterstroke cause. Um, 
a lot more interested in the new designs, like the Coruscant Guard, Luke Skywalker. Luke. Buddy, I, I mentioned it last episode. I have a story about Coruscant Guard, Luke Skywalker, that I'm bit, but I can't. I, I gotta wait, dude. I'm sitting on one myself. Like, it's killing I, me. <laughs> okay, yeah. What true Star Wars fan doesn't though? Yeah, call it yeah. out. The true fans. The the ninety sixes. Are you a ninety sixer horse? Big time, buddy. Big quite, time. Is that the right year? Ninety six? I hope I haven't been saying ninety six and it's it's ninety five or some. I I feel like it is ninety six because it was the year before the special editions, right? Like the special editions came out in ninety seven and I feel like um Shadows of the Empire was leading into that hey it may have been 96 then but it's (coughs) 1980 now it is so um we should get into it but hey just before we get started i just want to say very happy to be podcasting with your horse being looking forward to this all day happy to have our friends around the world listening in and uh sickos the sickos well hopefully just just sickos in the 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 the, the horse wars universe sickos, um, but they're of course the people that get the book out and read along to. Yes, exactly. And then you get the triple sicko, the sicko squareds that listen to the podcast while reading the book, while live tweeting the podcast. It's beautiful. Sick. That's what it is. It's sick. Sick. So I tell Harry, I go, yucky, yucky. <laughs> he's um, he's getting pretty good at the yuckies. A lot of yuckies these days. Uh, 1980. In the first three months of 1980, ILM is still working on additional effect shots. Secrecy surrounds the production, with few knowing what James L. Jones' dialogue as Darth Vader will reveal. Despite the critical success of The Godfather Part 2, 1974, oh my god, oh, oh, something just hit me. Uh, The reputation of the sequels is that they are never as good or as profitable as the earlier films. I just got to get this out of the way, Hawes. I know we were just about to start talking about something actually in 1980. Okay. But this, 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 this time that we've got inside, that Godfather giant, like, 10-hour cut. Oh. Oh, got to get my lips around that. <laughs> That's a way to put it. Suck it dry. <laughs> Whoa, um... Yeah, is is that available to like purchase digitally or anything? Here's the thing. Tragic Tale. It was on HBO. Right. And we were plowing on through it a couple of years back, right? And it was taking a while cuz you know, I you know, Jackie was pregnant at the time, so going to sleep, you know, early and stuff. And then the month ticked over just like that. The old girl's gone. Brutal. I, uh, I bought some movies digitally a couple days ago because there was a sale going on. And I did look at the Godfather 
collection, but I don't recall seeing that special 10-hour cut. I don't know if it is available. No, I don't think it is. But there's like fan ones and stuff, so I'm going to have to have a sniff. Mm-hmm. But, oof. But, um... Sequels, up until this point, Hawes, more to the point, um... Like, in, in the 80s and the 90s, we got some banger sequels. Some oh, yeah. that, that arguably are better than the original, right? But um, back then, like, if you look, say, at Jaws and Jaws 2, The Revenge, mm-hmm. sequels quite often were like a, a bad photocopy of the original hit. Right. And when would... So, I guess at this point... As far as like a franchise goes, we would have had Planet of the Apes, right? And um, they, they get progressively smaller and lower in budget. But, right, to the point where there's only a couple of apes yeah. in the movie. Yeah. But <clears throat> if you're a pretty uh hardcore apes fan, you're along you're along with you know, on the ride. Right. You you're watching all five. You're battling, you're attacking, you're undergrounding, you're everythinging, you're revenging. All of them. Hey, that t- Tim Burton, Planet of the Apes, worst ending of all time. Oh, you mean the one he stole from Kevin Smith? Oh, really? Yeah, so you know it, uh, spoiler alert if you haven't seen this terrible movie, uh, it ends with, you know, the classic Planet of the Apes ends with them finding the Statue of Liberty on the... Uh, what? My bad. Wait. It was our planet? Yeah, the whole time. They blew it up. They blew it all to hell. <laughs> what um, a unit that dude was. And then uh, in the Tim Burton version, he ends up on Earth and he's at the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C., and Abraham Lincoln's head is replaced with an ape's head. And years before that... Get your head off him, you dirty ape! (laughs) And uh, years before that, in a Clerks or a Jay and Silent Bob comic book, there was this scene making fun of Planet of the Apes, and there was a scene of the Lincoln Memorial with its head replaced with an ape. Gotcha. I remember quite liking that film and sort of being pretty excited that there was going to be new apes films. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, oh, sick. I can get around this. And then when they made those brilliant ones later on. Oh. Ooh. So good. But um, when they had that ending... Soured. Yeah. My enthusiasm had soured. Yep. And I feel like it almost soured Planet of the Apes, like that sort of style of a Planet of the Apes movie. Mm. You know, I I, I mean, I guess things sort of work in a circle, so eventually we'll get back to that kind where it's not necessarily realistic apes like they did with the newer three movies. But yeah, I, I feel like after that Tim Burton movie, their only 
choice to go forward was to go like a little more realistic and like less 70s sci-fi. Yeah, I was thinking about this today about um, Westworld, actually, because um, I'm, I'm, I'm neck deep in season three, Horse. Riveted. Okay. Caught up. Um, and I was thinking about the interpretation of the source material, like the original Westworld. Mm-hmm. It's sort of pretty, like almost a comedy with like half an hour of a low rent horror film at the end. Right. Um, and then how that got translated in just to the Planet of the Apes, those new ones, which are just so compelling. And Oh, sorry, no, into, into Westworld. And just same with the Planet of the Apes. Like, just like, if you just take a different angle, what you can um, do with it. And, um, or uh, Battlestar Galactica, right? Yes, exactly. And it's interesting as we go into 1980 and... Like, we had the alternate universe possibility of where Star Wars could have gone with the holiday special. Like, of course, not with the singing, but sort of that sort of really low-rent sequel fluff. Yeah. But, you know, we sort of get... Like, like Empire Strikes Back. Like, the original Battlestar Galactica is A New Hope. And then Empire Strikes Back is the reboot. I can get behind that analogy. Someone's got to. It's a lonely idea, Hawes, when you're making <laughs> giant calls like this. But, um, yeah, it is like... I feel like Empire just did the perfect thing at the perfect time. Because it bounced back for Jedi and got Kitty again. But sort of Empire kind of like stretched it, like stretched what Star Wars could be and um, got a lot more and longer term fans in the process. Like it really gave like a grounding to the universe that older fans could um, sink their teeth into. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, their assessment, you know, like what they say here is that sequels are never as good or as profitable as the early film. I mean, I think it's safe to say one of those is correct and one of those is wrong. It's it's definitely as good as Star Wars. Uh, wasn't as profitable, though, but that's just how these things go. You're not going to get, like, the... I feel the, <clears throat> you know, Star Wars, Phantom Menace, Force Awakens, box office craziness is a once-in-a-Star-Wars cycle event, you know? Mm-hmm. The, um, but then you've got the sequels that would have made more, you know, like like Aliens and, and Terminator Two stuff like that. Yeah. that. Like by the time, like video, everyone had caught up with it on video. Because I definitely didn't see Terminator One in a theater. I didn't know Terminator was a thing until I saw trailers for Terminator Two, Ooh. and. It was a huge thing, like on the playground. Kids were obsessed with Terminator 2. Buzz of the playground. Yeah. Um, how's this? When I, I would have been in grade one or two, so very young, we had a sandpit at the school. And 
They were playing with San Tuscan Raiders. I remember in the sandpit. So very on brand. But in the game they were playing, these older kids, I was watching this game very intently. They had the sand people buried in the ground and the spikes on the top of their head were like activation spikes. And when you hit them, they bounced up and attacked. See, that is kid ingenuity right there, right? It was, it was a heated game. I remember watching it just going, going this is sick. These, I, these, these kids can go. I have a much less charming sandbox tale from Uh-oh. probably around the same time. <laughs> this was before I had my first cat, right? So I remember hanging out in the sandbox, playing with... Uh, I can't remember what we were playing with. Like Maybe like um, can, can, Tonka can it, truck. I just got to stop you here. I can't wait to find out how you have not yet had a cat is going to play into this story. Much anticipation. Oh, it does. That wasn't just a random bit of info. So we're hanging out. We're playing with, I think, like Tonka trunks, trucks, like, you know, bulldozers or like uh, cranes and stuff. And one of the kids in my class goes, um, I just got a pet cat. And I'm immediately fascinated. I'm like, oh, what's that like? And he goes, he uses the bathroom in a sandbox and i was like wait because we had a dog at the time and you know as as harry would say "Uh (laughs) oh and i'm like what do you mean he goes to the bathroom in your house in a sandbox and the kid goes yeah like this and drops trowel and uses he pulls a josh trank in front of my eyes tranks Wow. Maybe it was Josh Trank. (laughs) (laughs) And then I tell my dad, right? He comes to pick me up and he's like, what happened today? And I was like, dad, uh, this kid told me he has a pet cat and that it poops in a sandbox. And then he pooped in the sandbox at work at, at school. And my dad thought I was making it up. And the only reason I know my dad thought I was making it up is because I don't know if it was the next day or a couple days later, he was dropping me off at daycare or school or whatever. And he was like, he tells me the craziest things. He says that one of his classmates pooped in the sandbox and he's all laughing. And the teacher's like, oh no, that happened. It was a thing. We had to replace all the sand. New sand. I love yeah. that. I love that scene. The next day you see the, the truck there dumping the new sand just in the background of your life. There's dudes with like a hazmat suit and a shovel clearing it out. Man, I gotta say, if Harry comes home from school one day and tells me that story, he's getting a pretty good dessert. <laughs> it's ice cream all around. Maybe it'll be Harry that tells the story. He's like, We got a cat. His name is Jerry. No. <laughs> Do you know what my immediate defense is now with you when you get me in one of those positions is to come up with a quick, brutal theory about who else those footsteps are at the end of um, Mandalorian episode five, the gunslinger. You know what? I, I love that you and Robbo are doing the commentary tracks for the Mandalorian. I love it. They're so fun. Season finale next episode. 
aren't you guys only up to episode five? Exactly. Oh, I, I think I got to, like I was just going to say, I think I have to skip that episode for oh. my own health. Oh. <laughs> Toro episode. Woo. Can't wait. Very excited. I'm actually nervous. Like, how can I live up to it? Dude, if he, <clears throat> okay, look, I know this is thinking ahead and it's thinking maybe a little too positively about things. But if if celebration happens this year, and he is doing photo ops or oh, autographs, you have to accept us going together and getting you a Photoshop with that a photo op with that dude. Dude, it's gonna it's more likely that Josh Trank will be there signing. Oh, I know. <laughs> In a brown pen. Oh, um, with a um, what is that, Mister Hanky? What's that guy's name on South Park? That's him. Mr. Hanky with a novelty pen. Um, Toro Calican, the bounty hunter extraordinaire, everyone from Mandalorian episode five, the gunslinger. And um, if you don't know, the actor, Jake Carnival was very brutally unkind to the rise of Skywalker um, when it came out, which was just after he'd been on the show. And then to double down, also then started going on about um, The Last Jedi. Hates them all. Was on the show two weeks ago. He's a classy guy. Love it. Love it. George Lucas says, in Empire. Wow. That's crazy. They made Empire in 1980? I had no idea about that. Wow. I just have, you know, my my memories of Empire are way more recent than that. Yeah, because it only ever came out here because they sort of had an Australian licensed version. Mm. So it was like, it was a local version using a lot of their content. I gotcha. So my alarm just went off for no reason. Uh, but George says... I think it's a better film than the first one, but I have no idea what the rest of the world will think. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Because the super risky thing, which has happened to George since, is that everyone else or a lot of other people have a different idea about what Star Wars is than he does. Yeah. Yeah. Story of his life. So, um, and I hope he's taking care of himself right now. I think he'll be fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure he is, but I was thinking about that the other day. I hope old buddy George is holed up in his mansion, just hanging out with the kids and the wife. 
I wonder what he's doing. I don't know. Probably watching old movies or recutting Star Wars. Um, imagine he just had a live stream. <laughs> imagine he just became like a YouTuber all of a sudden. Oh, my God. So, you know, some one of the more popular things to do now, you know, lately is to like... Uh, Tide FaceTime, <laughs> FaceTime or Skype with your family since you're all staying socially distant. And we did that with my parents. And I can only imagine, because my dad and George Lucas aren't too terribly apart in age, I can only imagine the technical difficulties that I had, but being George Lucas instead of my dad. Yeah, is this thing on? Hello? looking straight up his nose and stuff. He doesn't know where to look in the camera. What we need is a hologram. <laughs> I don't know what that thing was going on. Hey, um, this is etched in a lot of 80, 80s kids' memories. January, The Muppet Show. Would you like to take us through it, Hawes? Mark Hamill guests on The Muppet Show, directed by Peter Harris. The episode also features Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca, and Kenny Baker as R2-D2. The dual storyline alternates between sketches with Hamill and his cousin, Luke Skywalker, who hopes to rescue Chewbacca from a bunch of weird turkeys. Luke appears in Pigs in Space segment with Miss Piggy, performed by Frank Oz, as, and Gonzo as Darth Nader. I was always a fan of the Pigs in Space series. Me too. Because it was in space. Come for the space, stay for the pigs. I really wish they'd put the Muppet show on uh, Disney Plus so we could watch these now. I don't think I'd watch it. You don't think so? Nah. I got stuff to do. Hmm. I, yes, so Love did Pigs in Space. But then this episode with Luke Skywalker was just gave a young child radioactive poisoning. It was, it was so red hot. So good. Um, and then in February, they uh, double down. They're hitting up all the kids' hotspots. Droids on Sesame Street. Anthony Daniels appears as C-3PO with a radio-controlled R2-D2 on Sesame Street. After arriving by flying saucer, the droids deliver a holographic message for Oscar the Grouch and a player game of Blind Man's Bluff with Big Bird, who mistakes a mailbox for R2-D2. Oh, that's ironic. Yeah, considering... It's ring theory. It's all connected. It is. They ended up having official U.S. post office R2-D2 post boxes uh, or mailboxes, as they say in America, which apparently caused quite a quandary, Hawes, because it's like like people wanted to steal them, Mm -hmm. but it's like a gnarly crime. (laughs) Yes, it is. To steal, like, a post box. Like, there's something 
like so crazy about tampering with the mail. They they really frown upon it. Yeah, and I saw one of those since I moved to Birmingham. And I moved here I want to say this is my 13th year living in Birmingham. Oh my so, god, oh no, it's episode 13. Oh, weird. Um yeah, I think they uh they were around for a while, and that one may still be there. I just can't remember exactly where it was. Really? It could I, still be there? I bet you Steve Sansweet has one. He's He does have one, but I'm not sure if it is one. Or if it was, like, created for him. There's some weird story around it, or he somehow got an exemption in getting it or something. There's, there's, there's a story there. How do you reckon he's going? Oh, dude, I bet you he is just chilling in his mountain of Star Wars stuff. Just walking around telling himself interesting tidbits of trivia. Do you reckon he's like, just like, imagine there was no one else there, right? Everyone else is, um, like, they were away. Because there is, um, oh my God, I can't remember her name now. But there is a lady that like lives on the premises as well, right? Like sort of un- like in the apartment underneath. Oh my god, can't remember her name, but she's so nice. She does like she sort of like runs the museum. But just say they were away, and it was just Sansweet by himself, and he's just walking up and down the aisles, just muttering, just like. They said you had too many toys, Steve. They had they had when will you have to t- time to play with them, Steve? But uh, who's laughing now? <laughs> who's <laughs> laughing now? Uh, he's gonna break and all those vintage carded figures oh! opened, and he's gonna be playing with them. They're gonna go in there in a month, and it's just gonna look <gasps> literally <gasps> like a kid's bedroom from nineteen seventy seven. Oh, like the chips have been eaten, like all the C-3PO's. They were a little stale, but they're still good. No, like when they come get him and they're walking through the museum and they see like the open open box of C-3PO's and it's spilled on the ground and then a few meters up the hall, there's like a big spew patch. (laughs) Oh. Oh my god! Freaking Phantom Menace Pepsi's by the caseload. Oh, they would just be sludge. Yeah, just sugar, sugar gunk. <laughs> Yum! Wow, wow. Stay strong, Steve. <coughs> yeah, buddy. Um, but I wonder how. Like, so you've got Empire Strikes Back's coming out in May, and. You've got Muppet Show in January. February, you've got Sesame Street. Like, compared to now, I wonder how much of, like, a coordinated marketing plan it was. Or it was just like, hey, you want to come to the Muppet Show? Why not? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I would be... I would have to imagine that's coordinated in some way, right? Um it makes me wish that they did some stuff and I guess they really didn't, you know, there's not a a Muppet show equivalent um, for them to do. 
in the modern era. Obviously, they could still do Sesame Street. They still make new episodes of Sesame Street, right? Yeah. Yeah. I wish they did some stuff like that. Granted, the, the Saturday Night Live episodes were both pretty good. With um, Adam Driver. Yeah. Yeah. When's he going to do something not good? Um, I don't know, man. We Probably need, not anytime soon. We need Adam Driver in Jumper 3. <laughs> was there a Jumper 2? I'm just hoping there was. <laughs> what if they just skipped Part 2? Jumped it. <laughs> just made, made, made Jumper 3. Straight to Jumper 3D. Oh, you! Speaking of that, you want to know what one of my craziest? This was before we started doing the podcast. Will and I, uh, one of my craziest Star Wars theories was. Hit me. Leading into the Force Awakens, I was convinced because you know how they were immediately upon saying the title, they weren't saying Star Wars Episode Seven, The Force Awakens. It was just Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Uh-huh. I was like, I know what they're doing. When we go see this movie, the crawl is going to say episode 10. And then we're going to get prequels to the sequels eventually. Oh, I think I'm going to. I feel like I've just had some three POs. <laughs> Dear Lord. <clears throat> I, I can't deal with back and forward Star Wars anymore. Look, I'm glad they didn't go that way, but I was convinced. I was like, that's. And then. We're, we're probably going to have to deal with the fact that they're going to recast all these beloved characters for younger versions, but that's how they're going to do it. I just know it. I'm glad I was wrong, but that was definitely a theory I had. Whew. This one's the best. Made me very happy. <laughs> I saw. Posted this one up on uh, social media today. I was just... Made me feel alive, horse. <laughs> I just, I felt so good. Skywalker identified. February 5th, Marvel's Star Wars 35, cover date May, ships in Dark Lord's Gambit, written by Archie Goodwin. Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader meet in person for the first time in the Marvel series on the planet Monastery. Without any mention of their encounter in the novel Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Readers continue to question the continuity in Star Wars publishing. Man, I'm glad we're out of that. It's like poetry, horse. It is. It truly does all rhyme. Problem solved. As I was saying to our um, good buddy Emily on Twitter today, it's like, thank God, because that could have led to a really tedious 40 years. Yeah. And dude, think about it. Like, just 35 years later or something, they would annoy you again with this and Luke and Darth Vader meeting in a, Darth, in a Marvel comic. I know. They... They really didn't learn the lessons. Who's the dude with the sick 3D glasses that Vader is holding in his other hand? Oh, um, Cyclops with a goatee? 
<laughs> so this poster, Dark Lord's Gambit, has got um, a very Mexican bootleg style Darth Vader, and he's over a chessboard, and um, the pieces are our heroes. And in one hand, he's got Cyclops with a goatee. And in the other hand, he's got Luke Skywalker, who's now got a white leather jacket and a red lightsaber laser sword. And I've got to give a shout out to R2-D2, because he's the one trying to fight Darth Vader the most. Yeah, he's right up in Darth Vader's grill. Han Solo is hiding behind the title of the comic. What a wuss. <laughs> Not my Han Solo. Uh, the, I don't know what they call it. It's the, you know, the image up in the left-hand corner oh. that's got, like, price and stuff. As soon as you started, the tone of your voice told me what you're going to talk about. I don't know but how. <laughs> the coloring of Luke Skywalker's skin and the coloring of his pants is so close that if you just glimpse at it, it looks like he's not wearing pants. Yes, I won't. I can't. (laughs) Everything I want to say referencing that, I can't say on the podcast. So we will choose (laughs) Why Not None is um, the gif I'll be throwing up there. So, um... Yeah, April. Um, run run us by this episode of uh, Star Wars Comics Halls. Uh, April first, April Fool's Day. Uh, Luke duels Vader. Oh, man, that, that's almost now. Yeah, it's like two days from now. Oh, so this is like this is where this is a special forty year anniversary. Yeah. Uh, Marvel Comics Star Wars number thirty seven. Uh, We'll ignore the, la- the next three words. Ships. Ships. Mortal Kombat, written by Archie God. Mortal Kombat! Fatality. Johnny Cage. Continues the confrontation between Luke. Not with a mouthful of coffee. Almost soiled myself. Continues the confrontation between Luke and Vader on Monastery. Luke realizes he's not ready for a final fight with Vader and escapes None of into, us are, dude. No, into space with his allies. In the epilogue, Jabba the Hutt discovers that Ben Solo, ben Solo, ben Solo <laughs> destroyed his investment in pirate ships and reinstates the bounty on Solo. Han learns of the bounty after defending himself against a would-be assassin. Ooh. Hey, so that sounds like... So it says Han Solo discovers that Han Solo... Sorry, Jabba the Hutt discovers that Han Solo destroyed his investment in a pirate ship and reinstates the bounty on Solo. So that would imply to me that Han Solo paid off the bounty or paid off... um, Paid off hand, paid off Jabba for the spice. So bounty done, but right. then he's destroyed a pirate ship that ja- that Jabba the Hutt owned. Bounty back on. Yeah, and I think we might have covered earlier. Um, 
Okay, so yeah. In June of 1979, in Marvel Comics number 28, Han and Chewie run into Jabba, who has the bounty on Han, and Han winds up rescuing Jabba, who agrees to call off the bounty. Ah. <clears throat> but then I guess they got wind of... Uh, the bounty still being a thing in Empire, and they're like, "Shit, we got to work it back in. We got to fix this." Um, and we, this can't, also, we kind of have things not matching up. It's one. It, it makes me wonder. Like, I always assumed in Empire when Han says, "Well, you know that that bounty hunter we ran into," you know, when he's talking about in the the hallway scene with Leia, right? Yeah, old Mandel, mate. Come on, right? Uh, I always assumed that that was referencing the holiday special with Boba Fett. But now this muddies the water. Is it talking about the events of this comic? Who knows? I never took it as that. I always thought, because I think Ord Mandel has been in the comics or something, like Dark Horse comics. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely not that weird planet with the dinosaurs from the holiday special but. it's more um batu ish from memory yeah um love this one empire novelization april 12th the empire novelization is published by del ray oh my god so yeah they're dropping it dropping it early mm-hmm. that is crazy They really brought out Empire, the novelization before the movie? Oh, they, I mean, that was the way it was until... Oh, yeah, I know. Like, yeah. but, but this is the one that's got, like, the big surprise in it. Yep. Wow. Um, oh, what a bummer if you read the book. Oh, but then right? you've, got, you've got, like, nutbags like Jason that would, like, enjoy knowing going into the film. <laughs> <laughs> C-3PO's. Um, the Empire Novelization written, is published by Del Rey, written by Donald F. Glatt, an amateur filmmaker and one of Lucas's former classmates from USC. That's not what you know. The novelization is largely faithful to the screenplay, but also contains various idiosyncratic details, most of which are attributed to production changes. Here we go, horse. Here we go. For example, Yoda is described as being blue-skinned. And Zuckus is a human-type bounty hunter. By the end of the week of Empire's theatrical release, the novelization sells 2 million copies. Pretty good. Hawes, in, in modern terms, how many copies is that? With inflation? Uh, about 2 million. Okay. Fair enough. Love the idea of Blodia. Bloda. Bloda. Yolu. (laughs) (laughs) Yolu. Sounds too close. Speaking of Yoju, Jesse and I have, over the past couple of months, we typically put on something as we fall asleep, right? And you can leave your hat on. We uh, <laughs> we've been watching The Simpsons. That's been our go-to, and we're in. Oh, she mentioned on Twitter today. She's ahead yeah. of yeah, 
And I, I was like, Jesse, save it for the podcast, lady. Come on. Chill out. This is, this is, this is Horses' go-to story. We, we, we were, uh, I think we're in like season six or seven, and we invariably fall asleep and then have to sort of go back and figure, like, figure out the episodes we missed and stuff. And the other day we were laying in bed, and uh, I was just sort of checking stuff on my phone before I set my alarm. And the, uh, the, the Hoju episode happens, right? Oh. And, and I hear it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's where Steel got that. And Jesse goes, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she was, I was like, yep, that's where Steel got it. And she was like, ah, I get it now. Glad someone does. Mm-hmm. Thrilled. That is just... And I think to myself, what a wonderful <laughs> world. Hell yeah. Oh, my stars. Um, God, I hope I get to see Jesse this year. Yeah, I'm. man, I hope so too. I, we were just saying, like, yesterday I was telling her, like, man, if celebration does happen and we can make it, it is going to be so fun. After all this, it is going to be so much fun. I'm thinking about drinking extra beer. I might have one with you, buddy. Break an edge. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. My edge is smashed, shattered. It's like Darth Vader's helmet. It's all over the shop. You ready for a quick edge uh, uh, tangent? Love it. So I know this guy. I don't know him super well. He's Mike somebody. Pappas. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who he? I know him through sort of people that are in the music scene in Birmingham, right? Uh huh. And he is, or was for the longest time, like a uh, hardcore straight edge guy. Gotcha. Uh, straight ed- was in a straight edge punk band and stuff and has two giant X tattoos because, you know, that's sort of like the symbol of straight edge. Do you know why? Yes, I do. Because uh, if you go into a club or a, a music venue under age uh, and s- they put an X on your hand so they won't sell you alcohol. And then so the overage non-drinkers as solidarity to, to right. ensure they will not get any alcohol. Even if they have a change of heart, mid-geek, they X up. <clears throat> and um, so this guy's got two giant X tattoos on the back of his calves, right? And For when he orders beers with his feet. Right. The last time I saw him, uh, he was drinking a beer. How could he not be? So... Does that, like, you know, do what you will with your life. No judgments. But when you're so devoted and hardcore to that particular movement, like, does it go through your head like, oh, oh man, I got those straight edge tattoos. What am I going to do about that? Break an edge and I got the edge tattoos and still displaying them proudly. Like, do you think maybe I get them lasered off or what? I don't know what the, uh, like, the rules are. Can you go back? 
Is there any going back after you break edge? I don't know. You can go your edge. I got you. But your other, you might not be welcomed back into edge society. That's what I wondered. Like, will all your straight edge buddies be like, no way, man. You got to get those lasered off. The, um, I always think holes with stuff like that. Don't define yourself by what you don't do. That's probably a good way to approach most things. Be more about what you do do. <laughs> what you do do. <laughs> well, it's just like when you... Oh, pause. <laughs> Honestly. Come on. Um, if, you, if you'd said that in about a month's time, I might have found it the funniest <laughs> thing of all time. We'll see how we go. Yeah, uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll set a reminder for you in a month. Maybe listen back and see what you think. The, the, welcome to Star Wars Year by Doo-Doo. <laughs> oh, we got like sound effects. <laughs> basically just bootleg the Geek Dudes podcast. Hey now. <laughs> <clears throat> oh my God. Not enough is said. Our friends at the Geek Dudes podcast down in Melbourne. Not enough is said. And they don't talk about it. They're just like blase. Chris Fresh's toy collection is insane. Buddy, I... Like, every time he posts a picture from in his... his fortress of toy solitude i'm so impressed and like it is massive and then you posted some pictures from oh i meant to ask you did nit show up in a silly hat when you recorded with them i didn't think so man that's disappointing apparently that was his gimmick for a while he would show up in a different silly hat ah time they recorded wow man that disappoints me he was like, no, I can't show up in a silly hat. Steel's going to be there. <laughs> I, I, I hate... I don't want to be the person that stops people wearing their silly hat. Do no, I, I, I figure, like, you could get behind the silly hat gimmick. Yeah, I don't know. Now I'm, I'm, I'm just worried I'd, I'd, I'd make fun of it in the wrong way. And I'd put him off his silly hat. Silly hat on, Mitch. Silly yeah. hat on. But his toy collection is, it's really, like it is, it's worth a visit, Hawes, if you're ever in the area. Oh, I would love nothing more. Um, unfortunately, I think current events, because Jesse and I didn't have solid plans, but, you know, we were starting to piece together this idea of a trip to Japan and maybe a brief stopover in Australia. Um and I don't know when that's going to happen now, but man, I would, I'd love to see that collection in person. Can't wait to get back to Japan. Oh, yeah. I think we're going to wait until um, Harry's of remembering age mm -hmm. and then go. Yeah, I've been taking Japanese lessons on my oh, phone. Oh, that's right. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. For almost a year now. I will hit a year straight of daily two daily lessons eh, probably within the next month <clears throat> so um 
Can you do like a Japanese translation of this episode for us? To no. Widen the market? <laughs> no, no, sir. I can say, Konnichiwa, onamai wa nandeska. Konnichiwa, konnichiwa renda? Konnichiwa renda? <laughs> and that is, hello, what is your name? No, it's hello, dash renda. <laughs> That's what I think I said. Hey, um, I'm all about this blue Yoda. Yo but, blue. Because, but I'm worried, because in my head... It's just Yoda, but blue. But I don't think, like, I feel like when they were maybe thinking he would be blue, he was more wizardy or goblin-y or something. Uh, I think your theory might be confirmed or denied in a couple of pages. Oh, okay. God. Sizzle. Yeah. Can't wait. It's amazing. But um, imagine a world where Yoda was blue and like we'd have a podcast where it was like, um, Oh, when I saw his little blue ears, <laughs> I was blown away. Or in revenge of the Sith, uh, Palpatine is like my little blue friend. Oh, blue yaddle. Blattle. Blue yaddle. Blattle. Imagine that. But, um, it would have been huge. Blue Yoda, Zuckus is a human type bounty hunter, and IG88 tap danced. <laughs> it's right up our alley. Hey, um, do you want to go to, do you want to do a bit of glitz and glam, Hawes? The 52nd Academy Awards? Woo! <clears throat> the 52nd Academy. Wait, wait, wait. I just got to let me put on my tux. Oh, yeah, me too. And you know, I love get, uh, dressing fancy. Just neaten up your flat top. <laughs> the 52nd Academy Awards are presided over by Johnny Carson. Kramer vs. Kramer is nominated for nine awards and wins for Best Picture. Best Director, Best Writing, Best Actor in a Leading Role, and Best Actress in a Supporting Role. Apocalypse Now is nominated for eight awards and wins two for Best Cinematography and Best Sound. Alien wins the award for Best Visual Effects. Here's the thing. This is, where it, this is what annoys me about it, right? Kramer versus Kramer, right? Dustin Hoffman wins Best Picture. But yet, Freddy versus Jason snubbed. And I think Freddy versus Jason is a better movie. Really? Steel, when I tell you I was Star Wars level excited for that movie, <laughs> I am being completely honest. I swear, Hawes at high school age, I, I just, I, you're just a character from Freaks and Geeks. You're not far off, buddy, like, at all. Like, like the metal horror fan. You know the... <clears throat> okay, so you've seen Freaks and Geeks, right? You know the character that's in the Dallas? He's hardcore in the Dallas? Oh, nah. Okay. I have, seen, was, I have seen them all, but I just can't get the Dallas thing. That would have been me, but 
into metal and horror movies and Star Wars instead of Dallas. I went to see Freddy versus Jason three times in the theater. Three times. One for Freddy, one for Jason, then one for you. One for me, buddy. And that one for me was by myself. And I took my dad to see Freddy versus Jason for the second time. I went on mid. I went at midnight with uh, all my buddies, and then I took my dad. And my dad was like, "That was a waste of time. Why did you drag me to this?" <laughs> he didn't have as as nostalgic uh, feelings about Freddy and Jason as as I did from when I was a kid, and would have him take me to see those movies in the theater. Anyone else in the cinema when you went by yourself? No. <laughs> and I'm not joking. I went up to the window and I said, can I get one for Freddy versus Jason? And the person at the window goes, really? Really? <laughs> they said my sarcastic made-up thing that they said. <laughs> they were... 10 years ahead of me or maybe more. I think more. I think it was a while. I did go see it in cinema though. I did go see it in cinema once. I think it was, what was that? 2000, I think it was 2003. So I would have been in college by that point, but very, very excited. Johnny Carson hosting the Academy Awards. My entire knowledge of Carson is from stories from David Letterman mm-hmm. and Simpsons episodes featuring Krusty the Clown. 100% the same. I have no personal reference for Johnny Carson. I remember watching his last episode. Like, that seemed like it was a big deal for my family. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, because it didn't. I don't have any memory of them watching it previous to that, you know? Yeah, but it was a big episode, like Bette Midler, like like sung on a piano. Yeah, I mean, it was a big deal. I remember it being a big deal, and my dad was always, uh, as far as late night show goes, my dad loved David Letterman, loved him. Oh, the man. And I do just have to say, I'm not sure if that happened in the final episode of Carson. Oh. I... But it did occur in the Krusty Comeback Spectacular. <laughs> it sure did. So I'm just, just assuming that it's a very... Uh, Accurate um, reference? Yes, yes. Letterman, final Letterman. Um, watched it in my house by myself. Uh, Jackie was already in America. And halfway through the Foo Fighters song, started bawling. Dude, I love how much David Letterman loves the Foo Fighters. Because they're one of my favorite bands. And his favorite... One of his favorite Foo Fighter songs is one of my favorite Foo Fighter songs. I like the Foo Fighters. Yeah, I like Dave Bull. There's a a radio station here in LA called K Rock. Mm -hmm. Know it. And they've signed some agreement that every fourth song is by the Foo Fighters. Oh, really? So it's, it's not bad. 
It's not bad. I enjoy when they get back to their Foo Fighters. Um, what was I going to say about Carson? Uh, oh, we went to his house once. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Stop by. We're up in Malibu and I think we just had time. We didn't have children. So we had time. And we just Googled Stars Homes and we just drove around to the Stars Homes. Oh, that's so cool. I'm still jealous that you lived down the street from the Nightmare on Elm Street house for a while. Oh, it's just up the street. It's like <clears throat> Jackie's work is like on the on the same block as the Kruger house. That is so incredible. Oh, my friend lived in it. Are you kidding me? Out the back. Like in a guest house or yeah. something? Yeah, like they rented it. That's so awesome. And do you know what he said, what happened weird when he was saying that? Uh-oh, what happened? Nothing. Not a thing. Yeah. I makes you, th- you, makes you think. <laughs> makes you think. It's almost, It was eerie how nothing happened. Chilling. So I assume, I don't know this for sure, I assume the, the house and the movie, they just used for outside shots and they didn't actually film the movie inside the house? I feel like that's correct. Yeah, I think that is. Um, oh, but... Imagine going down to their basement. Oh, with the boiler? Either way, zero buys. Not doing it. Oh, if it was filmed indoor, like in the house, I would never, ever sleep in Nancy's bedroom. I don't know if you remember the scene where she's sleeping in the bedroom and Freddie starts coming out of the wall. Oh. And like the wall is stretching above her and stuff. I tell you what I'm not doing. Taking a bath. No. No, sir. No, sir. Dude. Dude. Zero bites. Uh-uh. And, but- and, 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 and if I had to... There would be zero use of my, my normally vicarious use of bubble bath. <laughs> no. It would be clear seas in the oh, saunas tub. It would be clear water. I'd have like two monster energy drinks on the edge of the tub that I just drink the whole time. I'm not falling asleep in that bathtub. Oh, yeah. You have to stay awake. Yeah. I totally forgot that. That would have really... Um, that's an important thing to remember when I'm in my tub. I feel safer now. Stay awake. <coughs> um, so, the Academy Awards. How about this one? This one's pretty cool. Boston Pops. John Williams conducts his first concert with the Boston Pops Orchestra as conductor in residence after replacing Arthur Fiedler, whose 50-year tenure ended with his death the previous year. Oh, fingers. There was, there was whispers. Pause. Wait, what? What are the whispers? Well, that Williams might have um, played a part. <laughs> Maybe uh, old Arthur Fielder fell asleep in his bathtub, <laughs> and then instead of Freddie's glove coming up out of the water, it was just John Williams' conductor's stick. <laughs> it stabbed him in the chest. Yeah, and the Jaws theme started playing. 
Oh, if if that if that scene's playing in your head, you're having a great time because <laughs> I know I am. Um, two new compositions written by Williams for The Empire Strikes Back are premiered: Yoda's theme and Imperial March. Oh, that's cool. I love the photo. C-3PO. So there's actually C-3PO is there backstage attending John Williams' debut as official conductor of the Boss and Pops Orchestra. And it is actually Anthony Daniels, so they say. But how sick would it be, right? You're friends with John Williams, childhood friends. And um, he's got this big gig. So you get invited and you got like a backstage pass. And you're hanging out, you're hanging out backstage, and then like C3PO just comes in, cracks open a beer, starts drinking it through that little slit in the face mask. Yeah, because that's the thing about backstage at these gigs, whores. It's free everything. Oh, having some sun chips and a beer. It's it's very very cool. Uh, may we get hit with the iconic Empire Strikes Back? Gone with the Wind poster. <coughs> Roger Castle's painting for the Empire Strikes Back theatrical poster was inspired by the 1967 re-release poster for Gone with the Wind, which was designed by Tom Jung and painted by Howard Turpening. Hawes, yes, this sir. is the uh, the classic. The Star Wars saga continues. You've got Darth Vader's helmet in the background. Han Solo draping Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker on a Tauntaun. They released this poster in the newspaper. And you ring your friend um, to chat about it. You you ring your, your childhood, your, your, your primary school friend, Will. Right. You both got the newspaper. It's the first thing you've seen from The Empire Strikes Back. What do you theorize goes on based on these images in the continuation of the Star Wars saga? Uh, Well, I definitely think that X-Wings play more of a role (laughs) in Empire Strikes Back than they end up playing. Uh, I think there's some ice, maybe Superman's Fortress of Solitude. Definitely looks like a crossover, and for those that are not sickos, in the top right-hand corner, there are three um, attack formation X-Wings. One of them is actually firing some lasers, and um, I don't think we see... Do we see opened wing X-Wings at all in The Empire Strikes Back? I can't remember. I don't think so, right? Because really the only X-Wing action we get is Luke leaving and going to Dagobah and then pulling, you know, Yoda pulling the X-Wing out of the swamp and then Luke leaving again. I don't think we see them opened. I, we also... Oh, what about when they're um, flying with the the frigates? I think that's what I was about to say, when they're escorting the escape parties. I bet you, though, I think you're right. Bit of attack formation, maybe. But definitely far more X-Wings. At least three. So, um... How cool would it have been if they were snow speeders? And then you, like, 
on the phone with Will, you would have thought they were like the new X Wings. Like they like you would and immediately think they're spaceships. Oh yeah. And I would have thought that Luke has whatever this is he's riding through the whole movie. As a kid I'd be like, he's gonna ride that thing around all the time. Like Yoshi. Yeah. Yeah. God, I love Yoshi Hawes. Me too. So soothing. It's like hopping on him. Mm-hmm. His little tongue comes out, eating you mushies. Feel, you feel protected when you're on Yoshi. Mm, very good. Very good. The um, Hoth seems a lot pointier. Yes. And then um, Han Solo and Princess Leia getting up close and personal. They seem, like, they seem like such adults. I know. <laughs> um, then, and we'll we'll finish up with this one for this episode. But but it's our favourite way to finish up halls. I will um, I will give you the honour, my buddy. Also, in 1980, action figures. Oh. Kenner produces 10 new action figures to coincide with the release of The Empire Strikes Back. To preserve the surprise of Yoda in the film, his action figure is postponed until the following year, Baby Yoda style. Uh, And the figures that they have here are Han Solo and Hoth outfit, excellent figure. Lando Calrissian, excellent figure. Luke Skywalker, Vespin Fatigue, excellent figure. Bespin security guard. Eh, leave it or take it or leave it. Imperial snow trooper hot battle gear. Excellent figure. IG-88. What a good figure. That That's like... Like, very good. Like, they had... Like, droids are always the easiest. Mm-hmm. But they did a very good job with IG-88. And he came with two weapons. Count them. Two Bosk bounty hunter, very good figure. Rebels. Uh, I, I, I tell you what, let me down with Bosk. I don't like that one of his hands can't grab anything. I don't, I don't yeah. like that, that 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 flappy hand he's got there. And it's hard to get him to hold his weapon in the hand that does work. Oh, do you know what you have to do sometimes? Which is such like you know to the common man they wouldn't know, but to the vintage figure collector, it's 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 excruciating. Keeps you up at night. Sometimes you have to make him hold the gun like crossways just so yeah. he can hold it. Yes. Ugh. Uh, Rebel soldier hot battle gear. And in my opinion, the best of the vinyl capes in the original vintage figures. Really? Leia Organa Bespin gown. I love that they did like the pattern on that cape. And FX7, medical droid. I feel like they're hitting their stride right now. Yeah. They're putting out some bangers. I kind of think, across the board, the Hoff Rebel figures age the worst. Some of these heads are just like bloated chunks of rugged up madness. And what's interesting, look at that Han Solo. He's approaching Power of the Force 2 levels buff 
when compared to other Han Solo figures in the line. It's the Gore-Tex. Yeah. Gore-Tex out. Um, I don't know, man. Lando Carizian could be best vinyl caped um, figure. Uh, that is a good one. It is a good one. I can't say it's not. And, you know, it's hard to take away from the mystique of the vinyl cape Jawa. But that pattern that they they went to the trouble of printing on the Vespa and Leia just looks so cool to me. I think we can all, all agree which one's the worst. <coughs> worst vinyl cape. Oh, actually, there's another contender. Uh, what, what are your contenders? Well, my first one, which I think I'm going to have to go with, is Sandperson. Tuscan yeah. Raider. Because it's too neat. Yeah, it, it would have been better as a cloth. I think, like they did with the Jawas. Mm. I also dislike the Snowtroopers one because it always breaks. Yeah, it's very fragile and it's... it's uh, a little smock. Yeah. A little skirt. Not into it. But um, just some... Just some top chunks of plastic, mate. Mm-hmm. Um, alrighty, whores, that brings us to the end of the first few months of The Empire Strikes Back. And you know what happens straight up in the next episode? Uh, the movie comes out. <sighs> Wild scenes. Oh, my stars, there's some good stuff across this page. Cannot wait. Um... And do you have time to do it now? Uh, yeah, I need to make a quick phone call. Yeah, um, I, um, break, I might break. Then I can do that. I might refill the coffee. Um, and as we said at the start, this one is up on our free feeds. And then we'll put up this next one on the Patreon, which, uh, or the Patreon, which for three bucks on either the Blue Harvest or Steel Wars Patreon. Um, you can hear all the Star Wars You Buy podcasts and all our other bonus uh, shows and back episodes. We've got um, both got various different um, bonus shows. So you can be a, uh, a Patreon sicko like Maria and, and, and hit up both and, uh, and get a mix. Yeah. We got a killer episode coming out with Emily Lind on the Blue Harvest uh, Patreon where we talk about the X-Files. Really? Yeah. Nice. Emily would be a real Fox Mulder type of girl, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I could see that, yeah. Hmm. You recorded it and you don't know? Well, I mean, we were. it was more discussing... Uh, two specific episodes and the bad episode that we chose is really bad. Oh, tight. What, 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 what goes down in it? Just give me a, a summary. Uh, it is based around a virtual reality first person shooter game where people start dying in the game and then dying in real life. Oof. It's real bad. Is it because um, someone getting the electric chair for murder like got hit by lightning at that time and became one with the system or something? No, it is not Ghost in the Machine. In fact, oh no, I was saying like, my my reference was Shocker, Shocker, which is yeah. like which was sort of like electric 
Electric Shock Freddy Krueger. Yes. Um, seemingly, they don't ever explain how it happens in the episode. It's very confusing. Oh, well, the truth is out there, Hawes, so uh, yep. remember that. And uh, Shocker's uh, soundtrack was led by uh, Megadeth's No More Mr. Nice Guy. <laughs> no more Mr. Nice Guy! And I remember the film clip with the clips from Shocker. Shocker really was, truly, no more Mr. Nice Guy. He was going. And, he, he he no no more of this nice guy killing people in real life. He's going to start <laughs> electrocuting them from death. <laughs> My uh, local video store bet hard on Shocker cool. and had way too many copies. Oof, the the Jar Jar Binks of VHSs. <laughs> uh, all right, Hawes, tremendous fun. I will uh, I'll talk to you in about ten minutes, and uh, we'll be back, and and we'll put them like straight up so um you guys get to experience the the real-time thrill of a continuing conversation and and we um we'll have to because it's another episode we'll have to get in another sweet shadows the empire reference in there somewhere we'll figure it out i'm sure good sizzle all right you guys thanks so much and may that force be with you a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.